I've told you before, folks, that the foundation of every nation is the family. And the foundation of our nation is certainly the family. And we need to understand that. We must understand that. If you look around and you see our, our nation beginning to crumble, and I don't know about you, but it seems as though that's exactly what I'm seeing. I mean, uh, things are just um, off kilter. Things are just not like they need to be. And, 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 and we're, we're on a slippery slope and sliding fast away from the things of God, the things that really matter. And, and, and folks, if there's any hope for our nation, I, I can promise you we must repair the foundation, and the foundation is the family. And, and it has to be uh, looked at, focused on, and, and we got to take the Word of God and apply it to our own personal lives so that we can really make a difference where we are. And so we must focus on the family. We must see what God says about it and then apply those great truths to our lives. Uh, Let me see if I can illustrate that for you. Years ago, I moved into my grandfather's old house. And and it was an old house when I moved in, for sure. It was built back in the 1940s. And and I moved in and, and pretty much repainted everything that I could paint when I moved in after he passed away. And about a month or maybe two after I had moved in and painted everything, it looked real good, but I started to see a crack one one day as I was walking from the kitchen to the bedrooms down the hallway there. Looked to my right and I seen a crack that started just a little bitty one. But before long, it didn't take long at all, that crack began to grow. I mean, it got longer and it got a lot wider, so much so that it pretty much covered the whole length of the hallway. So I decided I would fix the crack. So what did I do? I went and got me some sandpaper, sanded the wall down, uh, mudded it back, sanded it again, repainted it, and it looked good for about another month. But after about another month, guess what happened? That same crack came right back in the same place. And I began to realize that that crack was nothing more than a symptom of something that was much deeper. See, the problem was not with the paint on the wall. The problem was with the foundation in the ground. In that old house, the foundation was beginning to settle. And the more it settled, the greater that crack became, longer and wider. And so, when we're looking at our nation, I don't know about you, but I see a lot of cracks. I see a lot of broken places and broken people. How about you? I mean, so much so, it's almost unrecognizable. The world I live in today is almost unrecognizable from the world that I grew up in. I was speaking just last week to a a friend of mine that we graduated school together. And we were talking about just how different things are now than they were then. You know, this May, um, I'll have graduated high school 27 years ago. And so 26 years and some change, that's not a really long time. It's, it's really flew by. But if I look at the world I live in today and the world I was living in then, I mean, it's daylight and dark. I don't even recognize where we're at today, the things that are going on. And we don't even have to go back 26 years. I mean, I don't even recognize the world I live in today from two years ago. Like I said before, we're on a slippery slope and sliding fast away from the truth of who God is and what God says. 
And, and so we've got to fix the foundation. We must fix the foundation. We live in a time, like I told you, Wednesday night, where men call evil good and good evil. You know the Bible prophesied that? We live in a time of lawlessness that is not only accepted, but many times proposed and supported. It's amazing. We're supposed to be a nation that is governed by laws, but we live in lawlessness. We see it everywhere. I believe we're living in what the Bible calls the last days. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Brothers, if you will, please put this on the screen for me, starting with verse number 1. 2 Timothy 3, the apostle Paul is talking to his son in the faith named Timothy, and he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times they're going to come. Verse 2 says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. They'll be boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. It's almost as if someone could take t 2 Timothy 3 and 2 and a, a copy of this morning's paper, if you had one, you could lay it out beside one another and see how the Word of God is fulfilling right now today because I see these things everywhere. Look at verse number 3, watch this. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Verse 4, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Do you see that in the world we live in? The Bible says, verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. We live in a lawless world. Well, I believe we live in the last days. I, I think if there's ever been a time where we need to fix the foundation it's right now, if you believe it, say amen. We've came so far, we don't even know whether we're men or women and try to make up something we want to be. We govern what we do, the decisions and choices and make, not by truth, but by how we feel at that time and place in that moment. We've lost our way. Now, you say, Rosa, what does all that have to do with the family? Well, I believe all of the problems in society that we are facing today can be, not, maybe not all, but certainly the majority, most of the problems we face today can be traced right back to the home and the family. The foundation must be fixed if we're really going to make a difference. The family is of utmost importance. Matter of fact, I cannot overstate the importance of the family. I want you to see the importance of the family, but I also want you to see the purpose of the family. And when you see the purpose, you'll certainly see the power of the family unit and also the importance of the family unit. So what is the purpose of the family? We find it in Genesis chapter number 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Watch what the scripture says there. And God said, let us make man in our image. Now when he's speaking of us, he's speaking of two or more. So God says, let us, what he's saying is, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, let us make man in our image. If you believe the word of God, say amen. 
Look what else he says. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over all the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping, creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Verse 27, watch this now. And God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female. Everybody say it with me. Male and female, God created them. Do you see it? Verse 28. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So what's God saying in Genesis 1, 26 through 27? What God wants to do is use the vehicle of the family to spread his image throughout the whole earth. Male and female created in the image of God. Listen, spreading his image to the ends of the earth, spreading his glory throughout the world. This is the purpose and has always been the purpose of the the family. It goes something like this. You've got a godly husband who loves Jesus with all his heart. You've got a godly wife who loves Jesus with all their heart, all her heart. And listen, they come together and God blesses them with some children and they raise those children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And when they do that, what they're doing is effectively spreading the image and glory of God over the landscape of planet earth. And that changes things. That makes all the difference. This is God's purpose for the family, the vehicle God wants to use to spread His image, likeness, and glory. If you believe it, say amen this morning. Now, how many of you know that a vehicle is necessary and is very useful as long as it's not wrecked or tore up? When it's wrecked or it ain't, it's tore up, it's not working like it needs to work, it's not operating like it needs to operate, you can't get the most out of that vehicle. Let me tell you a story. Just a few weeks ago, my daughter called me one morning, and she said, uh, she's just in tears. She said, Dad, she's very upset. She said, um, I, I just wrecked my car, pulled it out of the driveway. And she was upset, and I was, <laughs> I was upset, her upset and my upset was a little bit different, but we was both upset. <laughs> and she gets out to go to work, and her, her uh, window had frosted over in the back. And the day before, I had actually been working on her car and, act, and turned her backup beeper off as I was working on it and forgot to turn it back on. I mean the alarm that sounds when you get too close to something. And so she jumps in the car, Starts to back out of the driveway. The window's frosted over in the rear. The backup beeper's turned off. And she runs into a pine tree and knocks her back window out. Ruins the lift gate. And so I said, well, just come on home. You know, stay there. I'll, I'll be there in a minute see what's going on. So I get over there. Uh, look at what's happened. Go to Dollar General and get a shower curtain and some duct tape. Brothers and sisters, it's amazing what you can do with shower curtain and a duct tape. Roll a duct tape. And I brought it back over there and I trimmed that shower curtain out to the size of her window and I took the duct tape and, duct tape and uh, taped it up so the rain wouldn't get in. And I said, honey, don't worry about this. It's going to be all right. We're going to make it. All we're going to do, we're going to call the insurance company today, get you lined up, get it put in the shop, and we'll get it fixed. It's no big deal. 
I said, what do you got planned for the rest of the day? She said, well, I was planning on going on to work. I said, all right, well, I'll, I'll talk to you later then. I'll go back to work too. So um, I got in the car, started pulling out the driveway. I hadn't even got a quarter of a mile from the house, and she called me again crying. I said, honey, what's wrong? It's, it's no big deal. You can get the car fixed. No, Dad, that ain't it. I said, it'll be all right. Well, listen, you're, you're making too big a deal out of this. No, Dad, that ain't it. I said, well, what is it then? Why are you crying? She said, now my car won't start. <laughs> so I pulled back around, took the battery out, cleaned the cables, worked on that for about an hour, went and got it tested, got back to the house, Fired it up at, we jumped it off, fired it up at the, uh, the automotive parts place, AutoZone. Everything was good there. Checked the battery. Battery checked good. Got back to the house, shut it off. And I said, well, babe, what am I going to do? I, I'm going to go on to work. And I, I said, and if you want to go on to work, that's fine. I'll do what you need to do. And, and so I started getting back in the car. I said, well, before I do, let me try it one more time. So I walked back out. Turned it over again. Guess what happened? Car still wouldn't start. And so worked on it for about another hour. Found where the loose connection was. Got it fixed. And neither one of us went to work. We sided this back up and punt. We went to Tupelo and got something to eat. <laughs> and it was really a good day, turned out. Had a great time. But I'm just saying... A vehicle is fantastic when it's working properly, but when it's not, you can't get where you need to go. You can't do what you need to do. And when the vehicle of, of the family is working like God has created it to work, like he has purposed for it to work, folks, it makes all the difference in your individual life, but certainly in society, in a nation, in the world. So let's focus on the family. Let's find the key to the vehicle. And that's what we're going to do this morning. <laughs> the key to making it work right in Psalm 127. Psalm 127, verse number 1. Listen what the Bible says there. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the truth of your word. And we're asking that you would speak this truth into our lives and help us by your power, Holy Spirit, to be what you want us to be. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and for your sake. Amen. So what's he saying there? He says first and foremost that if you want your home to be what God wants it to be and what you need it to be, listen to me folks, we must allow Jesus to number one, be the builder of the house. The Lord must be the builder of the house. Now, I've got some great news for you. Jesus has a lot of experience in building things. Listen, when he was put into uh, the, the, the flesh here on planet earth, when he was God incarnate in the flesh walking around here, it's no coincidence that Jesus was put into the home of a carpenter. And physically speaking, he built things there as a carpenter in the carpenter's house. That's true, but that's not where it ends. I want you to understand Jesus has built and is building a lot of other really important things according to the word of God. Matthew chapter number 16. You remember the story. Jesus is speaking to, I preached to you on this subject just a few weeks ago, but Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he asked them, who do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Isaiah or one of the prophets, some say you're John the Baptist. 
And Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And then in the next verse, Jesus said, and upon that truth, upon that rock, that foundational truth of who I am, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. If you believe it, say amen this morning. Aren't you thankful that you're a, if you're a part of the church this morning, you ought to be thankful that you're a part of an organism, a living, breathing, growing church. Listen to me, not just an organization, it's an organism, and it's growing for the honor and glory of God. And Jesus has said, because I am building it, the gates of hell will never be able to prevail against it. The church is eternal for Jesus is eternal and Jesus is the builder of the church I don't know about you but it's exciting for me to be a part of that Jesus builds his church but how many of you also know in John 14 3 he told his disciples that he's going away back to his heavenly father and he said where I'm going you can't come right now but I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. Do you know the Bible is teaching that Jesus is building our eternal home for us? Just last week, I was, had the great privilege of talking to my wife and kids just about the Word of God. We got into a discussion around the dinner table. I love when God opens those doors and things like that happen. I'm telling you, we had church right there around the dinner table, just me and my family, and it was absolutely fantastic. Praise be under the mighty name of God for those moments in our life. And we sat there, and the Holy Spirit of God met with us that night, and we talked about how good God is and what God has done and what God is going to do, and then we began talking about heaven and what heaven's going to be like. And I told them what I want to tell you now. Folks, I want to tell you something. If Jesus, who loves us most, if Jesus, who can do all things, who is omnipotent, omnipotent, omniscient, and I'm, uh, and, 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 and I'm not present. If he is the God of the universe and loves us more than anybody else loves us, is he, if he is building heaven, then folks, heaven is going to be absolutely amazing. I have not seen and ear hath not heard the good things that are laid up for the people of God. Jesus is building our forever home. He is building his church. But Psalm 127, the Bible says he wants to build your home. And he wants to build my home on a personal level. And when we allow him to build the home, then we'll have the key to the vehicle and it's going to run right. It's going to get us where we need to go. It's going to do what it was created to do. But we've got to let him be the builder. How do we let Jesus be the builder of our home? Well, number one, we must fully submit to him. Amen? We must fully submit to him. Jesus is Lord. If you believe it, say amen. A.W. Tozer once said, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then he's truly not Lord at all. What he meant by that is that for the people of God, if we call Jesus Lord, we must give all to him. We must fully 
submit our lives to him and what he wants. He must hold the chief place. Let me give you some great scripture. Joshua 24, verse number 15. Brothers, if you will, please put this on the screen for me. Joshua, right before he's about, to, he's about to die, he's now led the nation of Israel into the promised land. He's helped them to conquer the land that God gave them. And right here before he's about to pass away, I love what he says. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What's Joshua saying? I can't speak for anybody else. I can't tell you what you're going to do. All I can speak for is me. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve Jesus. Can you say amen? We've got to fully submit and say, okay, God, what you want is what I want. Lord, I want you to lead God and direct me. I want to give you the chief place. I want to make sure what I'm doing at my workplace pleases you. I want to make sure what I'm doing at my home pleases you. I want to make sure the decisions and choices that I make please you. I want to make sure I'm in lockstep with your will day by day. I am thankful this morning that the Bible says, he. Hey, listen to me now, the, 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 the steps of a, of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Can you say amen to that? As long as I'm willing to submit myself to him, he is willing to lead God and direct me. That way we won't miss out on any of the goodness God has for us. But we must be willing to submit ourselves. Fully submit ourselves. Do you remember when Elijah was on Mount Carmel? He says something. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 21, to the nation of Israel that I think is fitting for the church of today. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The Bible says the people answered not a word. Elijah gets down to where the rubber meets the road and he says, look, you've got to make a decision. Who are you going to submit to? Are you going to let Jesus have the first place in your life and submit to him? Or are you going to continually submit to the idols that we sometimes put before the Lord? Because that's what Baal was. Baal represented money, power, and sex. And if three things, if there are three things that are completely and totally destroying the family unit and this nation today, guess what it is? Money, power, and sex. See, Baal is still being worshipped just in different forms. So the truth that um, Elijah is giving right here in 1 Kings 18, not only is true for the people of that day, but it's true for us. And we've got to make a decision. What are we going to submit to? Baal? 
or the Lord Jesus Christ. But we must fully submit one to the other. He said you can't keep halting between two opinions. You can't keep sitting on the fence. You can't serve God and mammon. That's how Jesus put it. Make a decision who you're going to serve. We must fully submit to Christ. Colossians 1.18 tells us why. Listen to what the Bible says in Colossians 1.18. Brothers, please put that on the screen for me. He says, and he is the head of the body of the church. How many know that Jesus is the head of the church? Can you say amen? Praise God for that. I'm so thankful for that. I heard something Dr. Adrian Rogers said years ago that still rings true today. He said that the, 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 the church is the bride of Christ. It's not my bride. <laughs> and he's one of the greatest preachers that's ever preached the gospel, and he was right. The church is the responsibility of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the head of the body, and that's the way it should be. He is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have what? The preeminence, the chief place. He should be our top priority if we're fully submitted to him. Let me ask you something. Is he your top priority on Sunday morning? Well, he is right now. If you're here, hey, praise the Lord. You're here to worship. Praise God for that. I hope you come back. I'm glad you're here. Thankful for you, each and every one of you. But I want to tell you something. It's good that you are making him your priority today, but what about Monday morning? What about Tuesday evening? It's good you're making him your top priority in the church house, but what about at your house? It's good you're making him the top priority among this group of friends, but what about when you're among your other groups of friends? Are you fully submitted to Christ? Not just here, but there. Not just now, but later. That's what full submission looks like. We must fully submit to Jesus if we want him to be the builder. Let me give you the next one. We also must fully walk with Jesus if we want him to be the builder of our home. In, in 1 John chapter number 1, brothers, put this on the screen for me. You take your Bibles, turn there with me. I want you to get a hold of this. 1 John Chapter number one, watch what the scripture says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our hands and have handled the word of life. Look at verse two. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you the eternal life that was in the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. The truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Look at the next verse. I love this. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. And we say that we have fellowship with him. Everybody say fellowship. He says, but you walk. Everybody say walk. But you walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. We can't say we're fully walking with Jesus if we're not walking in the light. Or in other words, we can't say we're not we're fully walking with Jesus if we're not making decisions that please Jesus. If we're not doing the things 
that we know he wants us to do. And if we're not walking in the light, we must be walking in the darkness. And the Bible says you can't walk in the darkness and fellowship with Christ as a believer. Can't. We can't allow him to build our home unless we walk with him fully. Unless we fellowship truly with him day by day. How do we do that? Hey, we pray. To fellowship with someone, you got to talk with them. And we talk to God by prayer. And if you will listen, God will talk to you. Prayer is not just a one-way street, but a two-way conversation. Pray and ask God to speak into the areas that need spoken to in your life. Ask God to give you what you need, and I can promise you, when you get serious with Him, He'll get serious with you. We pray. We seek the Lord. Let me tell you what else do we do. We get a hold of his truth. We spend time in the word. Not just on Sunday morning, but hey, on Monday morning. Not not just on Wednesday evening, but on uh, Saturday evening. We get God's word and we apply that truth that we get in it to our lives. And that is walking by faith when you act like God's telling you the truth. That's fellowship with the Lord. It's services like we're in this morning, but it's also services, guys, like we had last week. Around the dinner table. Fellowshipping with God's people in God's presence. Looking at his powerful truth. That's all fellowshipping with Jesus. To let Jesus be the builder, for him to be the builder, you must fully submit to him, but you must fully walk with him. If you believe it, say amen. But now what else? He, he says in Psalm 127 that, in the first part of verse number one, the Lord has to build the house. But what else he say? Except the Lord build the house, they that labor in vain that do build it. Except the Lord keep the city. Except the Lord protect the city. Jesus must be the builder of your home. But number two, he must be the protector of your home. Now, why do you need a protector at your home? Because you have an enemy. And I have an enemy, a prowler on the outside doing everything he can to destroy your home, your family. Who is it? The Bible says he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. The Bible says our enemy, Satan himself, is doing everything he can to tear us limb from limb. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. We have an enemy. And he's doing everything he can to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then he says in the last part of that verse, but I have come that they may have life 
and life more abundant. Now, Jesus wants you to have eternal life, which is abundant life. Satan wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and to destroy you. And listen to me now. I want you to get a hold of this. He wants to hurt you where it hurts the most. And where it hurts the most when you are hurt is in your family relationships. There's nothing that will tear your heart out more than that. There's nothing that will keep you depressed, discouraged, distraught, ready to quit, ready to give up, throw in the towel, than when your family relationships are not where they need to be. You have an enemy on the outside that is coming against you like a roaring lion. So we need Jesus to be our protector. How many of you know, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world? How many of you know, my Jesus has all authority over all spiritual forces. He truly holds the preeminence. I want him to be the protector of my home. Why? we got an enemy on the outside, but let me tell you something else. We've also got an enemy on the inside. You know what it's called? The flesh. The flesh. <laughs> we need protection from that as well. Romans chapter 7, verse number 18, I gave this verse to you last Wednesday evening. The apostle Paul said, I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For the desire, the will is present with me to serve the Lord is what he's talking about. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. He has found that in his old sinful nature, there's nothing good there. Have you found that as well? There are a lot of things that please my sinful nature that feel good to the flesh that we know are not pleasing to our Heavenly Father. Amen? And there's always that constant enemy on the inside that's in rebellion to God going against the things of God. It's like David Jeremiah always said, it's like two dogs fighting on the inside of you. Sometimes it's what it feels like, this great tug of war between the will to please God and the will to please that sinful nature. That's why the scripture says, as believers, as those who have been blood-bought, born again, and partakers of the divine nature, we must continually die to the old man, reckon him dead. Galatians chapter number 5, the Bible says that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust or the desire of the flesh. Amen? But we must walk in the Spirit. We must relinquish our will to God's will on a daily basis. We must allow God the Holy Spirit to work on us, work in us, and work through us. To fill us up and use us for His honor and His glory. We must submit fully to Him and say, Okay, God, I'm yours today. Use me for your honor and your glory. 
And then pray for opportunities to be used and God to open doors. Dr. Jeremiah always said, those two dogs fighting within you, that flesh, that sinful nature and the spirit of God, that spirit and spirit nature, that spirit man. He said, those two dogs fighting, you know who the one is that's going to win all the time? The one you feed the most. Starve the flesh, feed the spirit. Amen? That's how we walk with the Lord. Jesus must be the builder of the home. Jesus must be the protector of the home. We've got an enemy on the outside, and we've got an enemy on the inside. Amen? And we need his protection. The last thing that I want you to see quickly, and I'm just going to read through it, let the Holy Spirit of God speak to your heart, but Jesus also must be the multiplier in the home. Psalm 127, verse number 3. Lo, children are an heritage or a blessing of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Verse, verse 4, watch this. And arrows, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Really what the scripture is saying here, the blessing God has given us in children should be a tool used against the enemy because we raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we're going to talk further about what all that means as we go along in this series. But aren't you thankful Jesus can be the builder. Jesus will be our protector. And Jesus also is the multiplier and blesses us with our family. If you believe it, say amen this morning. The key for the vehicle of the family to spread the image and glory of God throughout the earth is found in Psalm 127. Let's let him build the home. Let's fully submit to Christ. Let's fully walk with him day by day. Let's let him be the protector because we have an enemy on the outside and on the inside. And let's praise him for the blessing of multiplica multiplication and, get, and ask him for wisdom to be the best mamas and daddies husbands and wives that we can possibly be. Everybody stand together this morning. To fully submit to Christ, first and foremost, you must be born again. And if you've not yet made the decision to trust in Jesus this morning, there's never been a time in your life when God the Holy Spirit convicted your heart and you asked Christ to forgive you of your sin and save you. There's never been a time when God has made a difference on the inside that made a difference on the outside in you than today is the day of salvation. The first step in submission is trusting in Christ to do for you what He can only do. 
forgive your sin and make you right with God the Father. The scripture uses a big word called reconcile to describe that. We who once were separated because of our sin from God who is holy now have been reconciled or brought back together with God because Jesus took care of our sin problem. When we choose to place faith in the finished work of Christ, we are justified or made right with God. Now, if you've not yet chosen to place faith in Jesus, if you've not yet made that decision to be born again, today's the day. That's the first step of submission. If you're here today and you are a child of God, but there's some areas in your life that you're not giving fully to the Lord, if you're not walking with Him fully and submitting unto Him fully, then you're missing out on God's best for you. Won't you come? You want to come pray? for certain situations in your life, or your family, or your friends, or whatever, these altars are always open. If you need the Lord, won't you come?